when the managing director deposited the money into his, his bank account like i mean this guy is just these guys they just decide to run something to the ground they just do it they don't even care Hello everybody. I'm very excited to welcome all of you to the new Money Trees podcast. I'll be the host Edgar Akaba and I'll be co-hosting with my friend JJ. And on the podcast we'll be mainly talking about the African business scene, past, present and future. I'm not an expert in any of these fields. I I don't have a degree or anything, but these are just some of the things I'm passionate about and I feel that everyone should be familiar with yeah yeah as you've heard uh my name is JJ or Junior if you may um I'm very excited to be here with my friend Edgar talking about the African financial market and econ- the economy in Africa Kenya and Kenya also Yeah so um you can tune in and listen and enjoy also I'm not an expert but yeah Zedgar said it we just love talk about this stuff yeah so today's podcast in the very first podcast will be about the state of parastatals in Kenya and Africa also and how they're not they're not worth it anymore uh, an example can be taken from the 60s we start with kenatko a very interesting example kenatko was the first and i think the first yes the first example of the failure of corporate governance by the government of kenya Uh, a brief history of Kenatko please junior for those who don't know um what you need to know about Kenatko is it was a first transport business society in Kenya uh it was started in 1965 by a businessman known as Simon Peter Mbasha uh at first it was a cooperative and its aim was to take on the transport firm locally known as overseas trading company or simply an or simply OTC a British company that was very dominant in the bus transport in Nairobi yeah so after all that in the end it was put on receivership in 1983 due to due to its inability to pay its loans Yeah so the interesting with thing with Kenatko because it has a similar story to other several Kenyan parastatals parastatals today actually are one of the biggest sources of debt in our country 
I mean, for example, the Kenatko was put under receivership because he couldn't pay a loan of around 23 million shillings, which was used to purchase some vehicles. And up to around 2016, the loan grew to over 300. The debt actually grew to over 384 million. And that's actually a very substantial figure. If you look at other parastatals today, yeah, if you look at uh, examples today, for example, okay, not today, but around 20 years ago, the Rally Cooperative Savings and Credit Company sought the help of the government to recover over 591 million shillings from Kenya Railways, a parastatal. Another example, the Tana River and Athi River Development Authority, Tarda, was on the verge of insolvency at the time to recover debts from another parastatal Kenya Power and Lighting Company. Um, the pattern here basically is that corporate governance of these parastatals just isn't working. Between 1986 and 1990, parastatals accounted for 11% of the GDP, but their net outflow was a mere 3 billion shillings, which is equivalent to less than 1% of the GDP of the central government in 91, a year later. So as a, as a result, uh, as a country, Kenya, we've been really relying on international lending agencies, which have been urging the government to privatize these parastatals in order to reduce public spending and improve the general performance. But the catch-22 comes in profits versus service. Privatization has its perks, but... It's often sold to rich individuals who care more about profits than the people. It's rampant all over Africa. I mean, in 2000, when Ghana privatized its water services business, the price shot up by 95% out of reach by the common person. In South Africa, the same similar thing happened. Privatization of the water sector, prices skyrocketed. In Kenya, when the water sector was privatized, they focused on urban areas, urban areas which had more people to get more profits. An example, 80% of residences in Nyandarwa County have piped water, but in Migori, it's a mere 2%. So yes, uh, privatization has its perks, but as you can see most of the times, profits come before the consumer. And that was the point of parastatals when they were started for consumer protection, basically, to provide services, essential services that... that that were required so therefore they couldn't be exploited by foreigners 
for example, you know, agricultural business, the water, airlines, transport, all of those were parastatals power. So yeah, that's the current state of yeah, you know, those two. So how did parastatals even you know become so huge anyway? Well, essentially, prostitutes were started by the colonial government, and their actually their theoretical framework was to control key sectors, as I mentioned, agricultural exports, transport, communications, manufacturing, all those, and the government exercised immense control, you know, like powers to appoint directors and issue directives. Privatization essentially is attributable to the failure of the state. So the state as an owner of enterprises motivates the firms to realize competitive business standards. So, however, like most paratitles weren't set up to make profits. So it wasn't the sole base of the efficiency. You know, with competition, you bring out the best in something. So yeah, exactly, exactly. If there's no competition, for example, let's just look at Kenya Power. I mean, Kenya Power could, mm-hmm. could, could cut all its power no one would do anything because you know there's no one else who's providing power in Kenya so they could just decide to do that and there's nothing we're going to do so that's exactly what we're trying to say but parastatals have become something like a like a dependency if you can get what I'm saying like it's like without them we can't mm. function yeah but mm-hmm. if if there was like a sense of competition. That's when we'd see parastatals, parastatals actually doing decent, decently. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't always like this. Before the economic crisis in the mid-70s, some parastatals were actually doing really well. Like the... Agricultural, Finance Corporation, Industrial, Commercial Development Corporation, ICDC, the Industrial Development Bank, they were doing really well because they were created to cater for the expansion of agricultural, the agricultural business after independence. So they were essentially started to provide services of a monopolistic nature, you know, Africanizing the sector to distribute regional income. Yeah. So also you can attribute the growth of parastatals to social and political objectives. And also since Mm. at the time there was a shortage of local entrepreneurs like Africans who had the skills and the capital to really challenge these parastatals. So the government was directly, both directly and indirectly in the economy, rather than relying on foreign capital. So 
it essentially enables the government to play the role of the entrepreneur. Like the Kenya Industrial Estates and the ICDC were able to assist local entrepreneurs to assist their participation in the industrial sector. Yeah. Also, um, another reason for heavy heavy activity of the government in the economy at the time was the foreign investors were basically scared of investing in Kenya due to risk of nationalization. Because then it was a it was a requirement that the government be a joint partner in most ventures. Yeah. So the government agreed to that so that they can attract foreign capital technology and management skills. However, it's important to note that actually nationalization wasn't the main objective of the government because the main objective was to Africanize the economy really, to provide firms with credit and technical experience, essentially helping Africans to join the commerce business. Okay, so parastatals became big and suddenly how did they start dying? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because these, these businesses are owned by the government and the government can never run out of money. But you see them, these parastatals that are consistently making so many losses and causing the public so much that parastatal reform is just useless. I mean, the private sector has become so effective to the point where the only successful parastatals are, are monopolies. And actually, that's the first reason why the performance of most parastatals is so poor, by supplementing the private sector. So... To attract foreign investment, of course, the government has to develop the private sector, which conflicts the interest of parastatals since they were started to prevent the private sector from becoming dominant in that industry to protect consumers. So this actually leads to inefficiency because they need to assist the private sector partly undermines the efficiency and solvency of parastatals, as the need to have high profits is really on the agenda of some parastatals. Like Kenya Power and Lighting Company, they don't need to make profits. They they just have to they, they continue performing mandatory social roles like the rural electrification program. Yet there's no there's not much profit there compared to in big urban cities, you know, like the amount of money Kenya Power would make from a remote place in some faraway county compared to a county like Nairobi is so vast. Therefore, it just shows the essential role of Kenya Power is not to make money but service the people. So, essentially, from the Hilma reports on national competition policy. Markets within the state 
must not be unnecessarily distorted. Each government-owned corporation must, whenever possibly possible, compete on equal terms with the private sector and to end any special advantage or disadvantage of the government-owned company because of its public ownership or its market power must be removed, minimized, or at least made apparent where a government-owned company has excessive market power, there may be a need for structural reform to increase competition and special monitoring may be necessary to prevent market abuse. Okay, so basically, in simple terms, using the example of Kenya Power, for it to be better, to be more profitable, the government may need to reduce or remove the advantage or disadvantage it has. And in the case of Kenya Power, it's the way it's a monopoly. If the government allowed other firms to distribute electricity the way Kenya Power does, it will create competition in our yeah, and special monitoring will be required to prevent abuse of the market due to that competition. So essentially, if you want a parastatal to make more money, you make it competitive by reducing the advantages given to it since it's a government-owned corporation. Or you at least make it apparent that the government owned cooperation has excessive market power so that there is structural reform to increase competition. Yeah, and secondly, the State Corporations Act allows the president to appoint members of the board who most of the times consist of ex-civil servants who have little or no private business experience. So as the Daily Nation notes, uh, Mm -hmm. this is what the Daily Nation says, yeah? In this country, as in the rest of Africa, people seek political power not to implement programs or ideologies, but to hand out benefits in in the form of jobs and lucrative contracts to their relations and political allies. And what we call political parties here are institutions which are bereft of programs and ideologies. They are mere patronage structures organized by the elite of various ethnic communities for the purposes of capturing state resources for members of their ethnic communities. That's very true because um, if you look at the directors also that are appointed by the president and the ministers, um, most of them served or are uh, sometimes serve at the same time as members of parliament and assistant ministers. So instead of acting to the interests of the corporation or of the of the entity as a whole, they act in the interest of the of the ones who appointed them. So, for example, if whoever appointed um, a director in um, this entity demands this, obviously the director will act in accordance to what he or she said instead of acting to the needs of the corporation. 
this is very common yeah, yeah. in many many of these uh, government owned entities yeah JJ I agree with what you say mm-hmm. the appointment the appointees of the government to parastatals is so poor like these guys they have zero experience in managing businesses or corporations and they're usually just there for political gain true 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 so essentially it's, they're just gonna run it to the ground you know yeah so like the appointment criteria is based on political influence rather than relevant technical expertise and like the managerial capacity of the boards and on the moral of and the morale of competent staff is like it's it's totally destroyed so most likely because of that political influence majority of the directors are going to escape liability just because of that so essentially they, they can just run it without caring and i feel like if competent directors were just appointed things would be better i think the biggest cause of failure of parastatals is the heightened risks of conflicting interests for directors due to the excessive control by political actors parastatals have to take extra precautions so that they act in the interest of the company like the duties of parastatals that are public enterprises are made more difficult because of their involvement like in price fixing like for some commodities prices are kept artificially lower either to counter inflation or to make some necessities affordable also it's said to protect inefficient enterprises or provide resources for cross subsidization basically that means for example if you want to if you want to have another business for example a parasitical that sells agricultural produce will sell theirs at a lower price which will reduce the cost of production for another company because it's cross subsidization meaning you subsidize a company by setting the prices of another company lower you see um you see in the degwa committee which is this long 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 368 page report which is actually on the internet uh reflected problems which actually continue to affect parasitals For example in 2001 the parliamentary public investment committee revealed how directors of the national security social security fund nssf abdicated their duties when they were awarded themselves executive treats like these guys just paid themselves yani <laughs> and as a result the parasito lost 3 billion shillings in 2 years same thing happened to Kenya Ports Authority when allowances were paid to board members above rates for example the, the allowance at the time was 1000 shillings 
but these guys were being paid between five to ten thousand shillings per session. Like mismanagement of these boards boards just continues these weird weird sketchy transactions. Like another one, the National Housing Corporation was declared insolvent due to mismanagement. Like the directors commissioned estate projects worth like three hundred and twenty million shillings without even competitive bidding or approval by the NHC. Speaking of the NHC, the NHC also lost 69 million shillings when the managing director deposited the money into his, his bank account. Like, I mean, this guy just, this guy, is, they just decide to run something to the ground. They just do it. They don't even care. For really, they don't even care anymore. By the, by the, um, all the the links to the sources we got all this information will be in the show notes, including the Degwa committee, and a few news articles from the Daily Nation, which will help for you to understand these things. So yeah, I think. All of this highlights the failure of corporate governance by our country. There's also a, a really insightful four page article, which we shall link in the show notes as well, which has a lot more a lot more points because we could go on and on about this topic. Okay, guys, that takes us to the end of the very first episode of the Money Trees podcast. Uh, give us a like and rate us five star on Apple Podcasts and hope you enjoyed and I hope you learned something today. Yeah. Tune in for episode two next week every Tuesday at at 4 p.m. Yeah, we're just getting started. Thanks for listening and yeah, have a great day. <laughs>